Hello, and welcome to Journey With Us, a podcast of Journey Baptist Church. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Into His Word. Today, we will actually be studying chapter 3 and 4 of the book of James in tandem. This will give us a better overview of the context as a whole, and hopefully give us some unique insights that we wouldn't get if we were looking at the individual verses. As always, we will be trying to pick out major themes of the passage that the author gives us, as well as answer some potential difficulties, whether that be in specific verses or in specific ideas given. And at the end, we will try to apply it to our lives as it is relevant to us today. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our study of James chapter 3 through 4. Before we begin looking at chapters 3 and 4 specifically, I want to remind us of a verse actually in chapter 1. It is verse 19 in chapter 1 of James. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now the reason I want to point that verse out is if you remember from our episode of chapter 1, James chapter 1 sort of acts as a prelude to the rest of the book. It introduces many themes and topics that he will be covering throughout his letter. Many commentators today have actually broken down the entire book of James based on this verse, that he lays out first how to be quick to listen. The idea of hearing the word in James is synonymous with doing the word, and you see in chapter 2 that we studied last time that in order to hear the word, we have to be doers of the word. Faith without works is dead. And so in that sense, commentators have said chapter 2 acts as a commentary on what it means to be quick to hear or quick to do God's word. Obviously, as we get into chapter 3, if you are looking at your subheadings or reading your verses, you see that chapter 3 is going to focus on being slow to speak. This idea of controlling the tongue so that we will be mature and perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. James puts a large emphasis on our words and the power that they carry. He, in fact, says in verse 6 that the tongue is a world of unrighteousness placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself on fire by hell. I don't know of a stronger illustration of the evil and damage that a member of our sinful flesh can cause, other than saying it itself is set on fire by hell. If we look deeper at this idea, though, of our words being evil, we see that James uses illustrations to show us where that evil comes from. I want to look at verses 10 through 12 together. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth, my brothers and sisters. These things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? So you have this idea of blessing and cursing, and you have it illustrated with sweet and bitter water. But where is the source of this sweet and bitter water? Where is the source of this blessing and cursing? The spring in verse 11. Verse 12 uses another illustration. Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Once again, the fruit of the tongue, the blessing and cursing, be it olives or figs, grapes or figs, comes from the root of what type of tree it is. A fig tree should not produce olives. A grapevine should not produce figs. And so the tongue, the instrument of blessing and cursing, is being likened to the fruit of rotten figs or rotten olives or salt water and bitter water. And so we have to ask ourselves, 
if our tongue and our words and the evil that they spring forth is the fruit, what is the root that it comes from? And I would say this is our heart. I would say that James is pointing to the reality that the rest of the Bible points to, that our hearts are corrupt and wicked, that our hearts are in need of being born again. Turn back with me to chapter 1, verse 19, our foundational verse for this overview. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Look at the verse right above it, verse 18. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And then look at the verse right after, verse 21. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So we have our verse 19. We have our foundation verse that we are using to frame the rest of James. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. But right above and right below this exhortation, we have the author of James saying that from God, we must receive a new birth. We must humbly receive an implanted word which is able to save our souls. And so that is why as we're looking at what it means to be slow to speak, our evil words are the fruit of our evil hearts being the root. And the solution for that is to receive the implanted word, to be born again of God. But I want to show you this in chapter 3 as well. Why would the author of James transition from controlling the tongue to then in verses 13 through 18, asking for wisdom from God, contrasting this idea of wisdom from below, earthly, unspiritual, demonic, to wisdom from above, peaceable, gentle, full of mercy and good fruits. The fruit of righteousness is being sown by it. Well, again, if our evil hearts are what are producing our evil words, our evil root is producing evil fruit, we need a new root system. We need wisdom from above. We need to be rewired in our hearts and minds so that we can be first peaceable and gentle and compliant and full of mercy and good fruits. Verse 17, the solution to controlling the tongue the application of how do we become slower to speak is that we need to receive this wisdom from above. We need to receive the implanted word. We need to receive the new birth from God. James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. And then pair that with our chapter 3 right now, verse 17. The wisdom from above is pure, peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without pretense. So again, I hope you see how James takes this idea of being slow to speak and expands upon it, comments upon it, explaining why it's so important, because our speech is a evidence of our purity of heart. In the same way we saw in chapter 2, faith without works is dead, that faith needs fruit. Here James is giving us a very specific, prevalent examples of our lives, that speech is a first fruit of our hearts. And in order to change our speech from being evil, set on fire from hell, coming from below, earthly and demonic, we need to receive it from above, from the Holy Spirit, being born again from the Father of lights who gives good and perfect gifts. Let's move on to chapter 4 as we continue seeing how James expands upon his prelude of chapter 1. 
Now we're looking at what it means to be slow to anger. Let's read chapter 4, verse 1. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions and wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. Look at where James is pointing that these wars are coming from. Verse 1, within you. Verse 2, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You desire and do not have. Wars, murder, anger, again, comes from within us. But James peels back another layer of our hearts and says, why are we angry in the first place? And his answer is pride. The reason we are angry, the reason we covet, the reason we are murderous is because we are proud. We think we deserve more than we really do. We think higher of ourselves than we really are. Look at verse 6. He gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The opposite of being proud, of standing on your own ego and attributes and merits, is humility, submitting to God. He is the creator. He is on the throne. He is Lord of your life. Draw near to him so that he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Get rid of that anger. Be slow to anger by getting rid of your pride, by submitting yourself to God, by putting on humility. In a similar way of chapter 3, where James addresses what it means to be slow to speak and then gives us the solution for how to do so, he does again in chapter 4. He's expanded on what it means to be slow to anger. It means to be less proud, to be less murderous and covetous, to submit to God rather than ourselves. Well, at the end of chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, he gives us a prime example of how to do that. Verse 13 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city, spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So again, we've been talking about what it means to be slow to anger. We've been talking about what it means to be less proud in our lives. And here James gives us a solution to our pride, which is to humble ourselves before God, submit to him, and trust his will, his plans, his purposes, his ways above our end, above our own. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. The root of our anger in our hearts is pride, is boasting. And we need to get rid of that boasting we need to have humility by correctly viewing that God is the one who is high above, who is exalted and enthroned, not ourselves. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. One last application is found sandwiched in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, that when we are humble, when we put God above ourselves and submit to him, we no longer judge our brothers and sisters. We let God be the judge. Who are you to judge your neighbor? Verse 12. 
in our pride, in our anger, in our murderous and covetous hearts, we judge one another. And again, a solution to that is to be humble, to submit to God, to trust his will above our own. So I hope you've seen how James uses his prelude of chapter 1, specifically verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. To hopefully see some more unity, a more homiletical flow to the book of James, that he moves from chapter 2 of what it means to hear the word and do the word into chapter 3 of what it means to be slow to speak and control the tongue, finally into chapter 4 about what it means to be slow to anger, to be less proud and humble ourselves before the Lord. Before we end, I do want to address two verses that could be potential difficulties, one in chapter 3 and one in chapter 4. Chapter 3, verse 6, talks about how the tongue is set on fire from hell. Some more liberal commentators have taken this verse to say that humans create hell, that the power of hell is unleashed by our tongues, our words, our actions. The reason they say this is because they do not want God to be the one who is in charge of hell. They do not want to view God as one who distributes wrath or punishment in hell for sinners who do not repent. This is a wrong understanding of this verse, and it's easily seen in the verse itself. Look at the end of verse 6 again of chapter 3. It itself, the tongue, is set on fire by hell. So it is not the tongue which is setting hell on fire. It is not the tongue which is unleashing hell's power It is the tongue that is subject to the power of hell. It is hell that is setting on fire the tongue. In the same way Paul speaks of our flesh being enslaved to sin, so you could say in James that our tongue is enslaved to hell. And the solution to that, again, is the gospel, is that Jesus frees us from that slavery. James calls it receiving wisdom from above, submitting to the Lord, receiving his good and perfect gifts. I hope that clears up our understanding of verse 6 of chapter 3, that it is not we who unleash the power of hell, but rather that it is we who are enslaved to the power of hell and need set free. In chapter 4, I want to address another difficult verse. Verse 5, do you think it is without reason that the scripture says, the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely? The reason this is a difficult verse is because there is no... Old Testament citation that says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely. Verse 5 says, do you think it is without reason the scripture says, and then it gives what seems like a quotation that should be from the Old Testament, but there is no such Old Testament quote that is at least word for word. There are two potential understandings for this. I'll give both. The first is that Similar to other places in the New Testament that Jesus uses and Paul uses, James is encapsulating an entire idea from the Old Testament that is very prevalent. Verses such as, the Lord is a jealous God. Verses such as, zeal for your house has consumed me. James could be taking this idea that God is a jealous God who preserves his presence and his temple and transitioning it to a New Testament principle that as we are God's temple, that same jealousy remains, that his spirit yearns intensely and envies inside of us. That is one such understanding. The second is that these are actually two separate rhetorical questions in verse 5. It would read like this, Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture speaks? Question mark. Does the spirit he made to dwell in us envy intensely? Question mark. 
And then verse 6 launches into the Old Testament quote. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. These rhetorical questions would be connected yet separate ideas that the scripture speaks of God giving grace to the humble and resisting the proud. And that is because that the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely for his glory. Either way, the application is the same. Verse 7, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And verse 8, perhaps one of my favorite promises of the New Testament, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I hope this was a helpful overview of James chapter 3 and chapter 4. I hope that taking a more aerial approach to the text gives us some different insights that we would not have gotten had we gone maybe verse by verse or a little slower. And I hope you see the application that James gives that we need to submit to God, that we need to ask for his wisdom and rely on his will and ways and not our own. Again, I hope this devotional helped you as you study James for your Journey Together groups. Thank you for listening to another episode of Into His Word.